what is up? I'll tell you what's up. You're listening to the All Our Ways podcast right now. I'm Noah Heron. I'm really excited that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be the real life Avengers. Have you ever wanted to be a Marvel superhero? I know for a large part of my life, I thought I was going to turn into Spider-Man. I got bit by a spider, and for about three days one time, I just sat in my room and I waited. I just waited. Never happens. But what if we were called to be a real-life Avenger? I'm going to break it down in just a few minutes. I want to kind of set the tone, though. If you're just listening to this episode as a one-off, this third season of the All Our Ways podcast, we are really breaking down the practical side of following Jesus. We've talked about Sabbath. We've talked about reading the Word of God. We're talking about all these things that sometimes feel mundane, sometimes feel maybe like rules, but we're talking about why they are absolutely critical and how to apply them to our life. Last week, we talked about morning routines. I'd highly suggest you listen to those other episodes if you haven't already. I think and I hope and I pray that they could be helpful to your everyday walk with Jesus. And so today we're going to do the same thing. But before we do, I want to give a huge shout out to our season three podcast sponsors. That's our friends over at Elevated Faith. Go check them out right now. You can get a 20% off code on their incredible merch, their incredible apparel that they have um, by using the code NOAH. That's my name, N-O-A-H, and then uh, the number 20, two zero. Use it for 20% off at checkout and uh, go support a really great company with a really great mission to spread the good news of Jesus through clothing. Uh, also, I have a book on Amazon. It's called Viral Jesus. It breaks down a lot of stuff that we're talking about um, on this podcast, but more in depth. And so it's on Amazon. Just search Viral Jesus by Noah Heron. Uh, would be thrilled, would make my day if you checked out that book. It took a lot of time, effort, blood, sweat, tears. Actually, there was no blood, but there was there was some sweat. There was some tears. Um, anyways, hey, we're going to jump into it without further ado. My conversation with myself on the real life Avengers. In the Heron household, my wife and I, Maddie, we we love the Marvel movies. We love the Avengers. We're big fans. And we can debate who the best superhero is all day long. But at the end of the day, if you don't say Spider-Man or Iron Man, you're just wrong. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts about the Avengers, um, separate from the actual superhero movies, is the alliance that takes place. You've got all these incredible superheroes, you know, joining forces to be on the same team. Some of them have big personalities. Sometimes it actually seems like it might not work. You got Thor, you know, flexing in the corner. He kind of thinks humans are stupid. Iron Man thinks everyone is stupid because he's, you know, smart enough to create his own superhero suit you've got all these different superheroes all these different personalities but they decide to come together why did they decide to come together simple because the threat was too big alliances that's what happens when the threat's too big you make an alliance to overcome the threat Another example of a really great alliance comes from one of my favorite movies of all time, the movie We Are, um, the movie Remember the Titans, rather. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the movie, 
you need to fix that. I think it should be mandatory viewing. I don't think that you should be allowed to get your driver's license in the United States until you've watched the movie Remember the Titans. And uh, basically, you've got a really racist and prejudiced society at the time that the movie is taking place in. Black players, uh, it's about football, by the way. Black players are kind of hanging with black players. White players are hanging with white players. And you have these black high schools and white high schools, and everything's separated. But they decide to make an alliance, the white players, the black players, and they become something really, really special. And uh, you should go watch that movie. But I've been thinking about alliances because I just watched Remember the Titans uh, a couple days ago. And um, they fascinate me. And what fascinates me as it relates to following Jesus is that at the end of his life, right before he is about to be crucified. He says this prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20. I'm going to read it to you. It's, this is Jesus' words. He's praying, and he's praying for you. This is what he says. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. That's you and me. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you've given to me, I've given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience that unity that we enjoy. Are you getting this theme? He's praying, Jesus is praying for an alliance. This is crazy to me. This is wild that in his last moments, he thinks it is urgent enough, this need for an alliance, that he will take a few moments and pray for it to happen. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's about to be crucified. He knows what's coming. And he stops everything. He doesn't pray for an army. He doesn't pray for a bunch of money doesn't pray that we would have great influence. No, no, no. He prays that we would be united. I want to talk to you just a second about what it looks like to accept the invitation by Jesus to be a part of the real life Avengers. Unity, unity is power. C.S. Lewis, uh, incredible author and teacher uh, of his time, he said that a united church is like a mighty army marching with banners that is absolutely terrifying to the kingdom of darkness. And in his famous book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, which I would highly recommend, um, it, it's this book about an older demon who's taken on uh, a young demon, kind of kind of sketchy, uh, as like his prodigy, as like his student. And unfortunately for this young demon, the person that he is assigned to, that he's trying to possess, accepts Christ. And so this young demon comes back to the older demon, and um, the older demon tells him this. He says, take heart, not all is lost. While a united church is like a mighty army marching with banners that terrifies the strongest of our kind, their kind being demons, this vision is quite invisible to these humans. All they see are tall buildings filled with powerful little books that they ignore in large part, and a simple neighbor singing out of tune in church can cause arrogant thoughts towards the other. How can they reach such unity when they bicker about their own opinions regarding things not of any importance to the spiritual realm? No, take heart, young demon. That vision of a mighty army is a long ways off. I read that and I thought, man, how powerful that demons know 
the strength of unity, and yet we oftentimes look right past it. I, I really found a lot of truth in that fictional character, that that older demon's words, and that we often let the smallest of things keep us from fulfilling the vision of Jesus. How often are we products or um, or killed by OCD, right? Our obsessive comparison disorder. Uh, we get on social media and we're like, man, you know, they get everything they want. It's just handed to them. Or, or we see someone get engaged and you're like, oh my gosh, if they post one more photo of their engagement, I'm going to vomit. And, and, and these things that mean nothing spiritually, we let them affect the way that we look at other believers. And then we wonder why the church, us as believers, our voice has gotten so small. It's because we are divided by the smallest things. And at the same time, the devil is roaming around like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking to devour us. Seeking to devour us. That is crazy. But we can be powerful if we accept the invitation for an alliance. If we decide that we're not going to talk about our brothers and sisters in Christ when we disagree, if we decide that we're going to choose unity and reconciliation over divisiveness, over prejudiceness, over all of these things, if we decide to unite, to be a part of this unlikely pairing of differences, we can see something crazy. Now, I know what you're saying. Maybe you're going, I don't know how I could unite with someone who believes like that. I don't know how I could unite with someone who posts things on social media like that. It's just an unlikely pairing, Noah. Don't you know that we are living proof of, a, of an unlikely pairing? That Jesus Christ would do the unlikely thing of choosing to die for you. That Jesus Christ would do the unlikely thing of raising up from the grave. I love my gods. I love my odds against unlikely situations, right? When, when God is on my side, unlikely is nothing. Unity is possible. Unity is also a priority. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming everyone, if not most of you listening to this, you have an Instagram. And um, if you have an Instagram, you might know about this thing called an explore page. But just in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know what the Instagram explore page is, it basically shows you things that it that Instagram thinks that you want to see. So every time you like a photo, Instagram is collecting data about what you like. So if you're on Instagram and you're liking a bunch of photos um, of puppies or of house things or whatever, it's going to show you, it's going to curate you an explore page full of puppies and houses and all the things that you like because it thinks that that is what you want to see. Now, what we don't realize about this algorithm, about this seeing things that you like is that the same principle happens to us in our life, whether we realize it or not. If you only like or hang out with people who look like you, eventually your entire life looks like that group. If you only like or hang out with people who vote like you, eventually everyone looks the same. If you only have time for people who believe exactly like you do, who worship exactly like you do, who pray exactly like you do, who post stuff on social media exactly like you do, that is not unity. That is sameness. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the unity that Jesus was praying for. Unity 
is not sameness. It's oneness in purpose. It's oneness in mission. I was in a room one time a couple years ago with um, a bunch of white pastors. I'll just say what it was. It was a bunch of white pastors. And uh, the subject of having a diverse church or a diverse congregation came up. And the ministry that I was a part of leading at the time was extremely diverse. Uh, everyone from the people on our stage to the people in our seats to the people in our small groups. It, it was very diverse. And um, one of the pastors, he asked me, he said, uh, I want to know how to reach more black people. What? That, that's what he said. And, and I'm not bashing him. I think his intentions were good. Let me, let me say that. He said, I want to know how to reach more black people in my church. My church is very white. He said, what is your strategy? And he looked at me. I thought for a second. I said, you know, we don't have a strategy for reaching black people. We just have black friends. We don't have a strategy for reaching Asian people or white people or rich people or poor people. We're just making friends with our neighbors. What we have to realize about unity is that it's not about loving your neighbor and being united with your neighbor so that you can present the gospel. It, loving your neighbor is the gospel. That, that's who we are. When, when we accept Jesus' unity and loving those, even those who don't look like us or think like us, that becomes a priority for those of us. Jesus showed this priority over and over again in his life. Uh, I, I can think of several examples. I think of John chapter 4 when Jesus shows up to talk to the woman at the well. There were so many cultural di differences on display in that moment. It would have been um, pretty similar to maybe Jesus today walking up to an Antifa organizer and a Capitol rioter at the same time and sitting down to hang out. A, a Democrat, an extreme far left and an extreme far right person sitting down to hang out and have a conversation at the same time. If that had happened in 2021, Jesus would have had to, to make a public statement because of all the people going, look at Jesus. He doesn't care about truth. He obviously doesn't know what they stand for. You know, I can just see the Facebook post all over the place bashing Jesus for who he was choosing to be associated with. The thing was that everyone in Jesus's day is just not that different from the people in our day. They were trying to get Jesus to choose a side. And every time someone would try to get him to pick a side, he would always pick the person. Because the gospel is an announcement. It's not an argument. Jesus would show up and he would choose compassion, understanding, empathy, unity. Yeah, he would speak truth. Yeah, he would say what was godly and what was holy and what was true. But he didn't show up to win an argument. He showed up to make an announcement that there is a greater cause, that there is something that can bind us all together despite our past, despite our differences, despite the things that we think can separate us. We actually can choose something greater to unite us. We need everybody. We need everyone. If you notice that someone is missing from this family, from your family, from your church family, from, from your friend group, it's not a strategy to go and make those kinds of friends. It is our priority to add them to the family because unity is priority. Thirdly, unity is proof. John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Unity is literally proof of God's existence. It's proof. It's not just this Zen idea that we like sit around and do yoga to. It's that something greater is at work, that someone greater is at work in us that makes us different from the world, that makes us be able to be united despite our differences. I've been fascinated um, by the Navy SEALs for a long time, and I've always wanted to be one. I don't think that I'm probably tough enough to be one, but uh, I was watching a documentary over the summer about them and really inspired me. And uh, they were talking about the training, how hard it is to get through it, how only 6% of the people make it, how they're responsible for some of the most famous and uh, just, you know, daring missions of the history of, of our country. And um, towards the end of the documentary, they interviewed an ex-Navy SEAL commander about the team, about the team of Navy SEALs. And what he said was so eye-opening to me that I actually wrote it down. And I want to share it with you now to kind of wrap up this conversation about the Great Alliance. This is what he said. The Navy SEALs are the most united force in all of the world. We're a very small number. Most times we're sent out on missions in teams of four or six people, where we are outnumbered 10 to 1. In order for success to happen with those kind of odds, you have to be one body, one fluid movement connected at the hip on the same page at every turn. There's no space for any kind of division. We do not care where our brother beside us grew up. We do not care who they voted for. We don't care what color of their skin. We don't care what the color of their skin is. We don't even care if they are kind of a jerk. He said a different word besides jerk, but I put jerk there, you know? Okay, he said the stakes are too high. We are surrounded by enemies who want nothing more than to see us dead. Lives are on the line when the mission is that critical. Unity is not an option. It is the only way. We are the remnant. As soon as I heard that Navy SEAL commander say those words, I'm not kidding. I was sitting on my couch being kind of a bum. Uh, I think I had some cookies in my hand, but a, a shiver went down my back. And I thought, I do not have time for any type of division in my life, political, racial, sociological, cultural, anything that keeps me from being able to unite over the kingdom of God, from being able to love my neighbor. My mission is too critical and my God is too big. There is too much at stake. There are too many people's lives on the line. If you're listening to this, what you have to understand is that we are the remnant. We are the great alliance. We are the unified in body. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We are the great alliance. We are the Avengers of real life. Will we say yes to the great alliance? I don't know think that's for all of us to decide on our own if we will let certain areas of life keep us divided if, if we will let certain things keep us from other people and listen I understand that many of us we have our areas we have our things that we're very passionate about that we um, use our voices to speak up about and I think that that is an amazing thing what I think I'm trying to say to those of you listening, is that we cannot let our voice 
of opinions, things that are not God's word, things that are not God's truth. If it's an opinion, we cannot let opinions keep us from unity. We need to choose people over sides. We need to choose empathy. We need to choose compassion. We need to choose the kingdom of God. I want to be like a mighty army with banners. I want the demons that are real, even though we kind of picture them as something that isn't real. I want them to know that that vision of an army with banners is not something that is not far off. It's something that's happening now. I want them to be afraid. I want them to see us coming and hear us coming.